So we're on the, the second chapter of the book of Acts. But just to have a quick revision of what we've done so far, uh, we've gone through chapter one where we saw the promise of the Holy Spirit and we went on to see the ascension of Christ um, and the gathering of the disciples to await the release of the Holy Spirit and uh, furthermore the um, the process that was taken to choose the 12th disciple to replace a Judas and that's what we've covered in the last couple of weeks so today we're going to look at the coming of the Holy Spirit and all being well we're going to cover verses 1 and down to 13 and and just to go back quickly on who those verses were given to so um Verses 1 to 5 was given to Kojo, Asia, and Pastor Gloria. And 6 to 13 was Akosia and Pastor Yao. And so uh, we're going to read through the verses first, and then we're going to come to these individuals to take us, to walk us through these verses. So may I kindly ask um, Asia to read the verses for us before we start. So that's verses 1 down to 13. Asia, if you're in a good place, over to you. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and Brislites, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, Whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, They are full of new wine. Amen. Amen. Uh, Wonderful. So I'm just going to hand over now. Um, Asia just read, so we'll go to Asia first, we'll go to Kojo, and then we'll go to Pastor um, Gloria. And what I'd like us to do, as we did last week, I'll just like you to give a reflection um, of the verses that was ascribed to you in terms of um, your insights on it, and perhaps answer one of the discussion questions just to provoke conversation. So I'll hand over to you, Asia, first to to take the lead on this, and then we would um, hand over next to Kojo, then Pastor Gloria. Over to you again, Asia. Okay, thank you very much. I'll answer question two. What is the Holy Spirit represented in verse two? And then can we observe any other characteristics of him in this verse? He came as a mighty Russian wind, and then he took over the whole house. Because it says that and suddenly they came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So the Holy Spirit came as a strong mighty wind, and he filled up the whole place. He took over. And my learnings is from verse 3 that says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. I find it interesting the statements, each of them, mm. meaning just as Christ promised the Holy Spirit when he came, he didn't leave any of the believers out of it. So the lesson that got to me is that we all as Christians, as we received Christ, have the Holy Spirit. Mm. But 
as to whether we are allowing him to have his way to use us is a big question. So we must know that we all have the Holy Spirit, as Christ promised. And another lesson too was from verses 1 that says they were all with one accord in one place. They gathered in unity. So where there is unity, the Spirit of God is able to work in us. I believe discord does not promote the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So we are all entreated to be one in purpose and in togetherness that the Holy Spirit will have his way in our midst. Amen. 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 Bless you, Asia. Asia has touched on quite a bit um, there. She spoke about the the unity of the people that had come together um, to receive the Spirit of the living God. She's touched on how the Holy Spirit came. He came by a Russian wind. We know in the word of God that the Spirit of the living God is represented in several ways. And in the book of Acts here, we see him as a wind. He's represented as a Russian wind. And finally, she touched on the fact that the distribution wasn't uh, just a vague one. Uh, The emphasis on individuals receiving him um, is very impactful. Uh, without commenting further, we'll come back again. I'll come back again. Can I hand over to Kojo if you're in a good place? Um, what were your reflections on verses one to five? And if you've had a chance to look at any of the questions, that would be great as well. Yeah, um, thank you, Pastor. Um, the first of all, I think my first focus will be on the first verse, which says that on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. And they were all in one accord. One thing I, I this thing has this scripture has taught me that um, they were in a state of expectancy mm. because I believe before they they got there, Jesus had told them that they should tarry until the Spirit comes upon them before they can be witnesses to Him in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to all the ends of the earth. So I believe they were in that moment. They were waiting that okay. We are waiting on God. We are waiting to be empowered. And we all know that um, after this empowerment, the kind of things that these disciples were doing, there's a very sharp contrast between what they were not able to do, you know, as at the time when the Spirit had not um, come upon them. And I also want to touch on the first um, question that says that uh, what... um, I believe the day of Pentecost is a very very remarkable... um, day or a very remarkable feature as far as um, 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 our life in Christ is concerned because the 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 Holy Spirit is a person I mean it, the Holy Spirit lives with us in the, the, the Holy the Holy Spirit empowers to live that you know Christ-like life and that is why Jesus said that as he was going he was not going to leave us as off but he will leave us in the hands of, you know, the Holy Spirit. And I believe the fulfillment of one fulfillment of the Holy Spirit is what happened um, on the day of Pentecost. And so I believe that every Christian, I mean, so long as you have um, um, believed in Jesus Christ and taken him as your life and personal savior, you, you, you have opened the gate and invited or created an enabling environment or you have put yourself in a state of expectancy for the Spirit of God, you know, to join in. Amen. 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 Bless you, Koja. Bless you, Koja. Koja has also reinforced the gathering in one accordness, so to speak, the unity. And that, obviously, um, that expectancy uh, the disciples had on the on the coming of the spirit of the lord upon them again that in itself has its own connotations but we'll come back to that as well in our own lives uh, what is our expectancy it is something pastor frequently talks about that a, a christian that that lacks expectancy then they they just they just living day by day and it's important that in all things that we expect we wait or tarry so to speak 
for something of the Lord. And in this case, they were, they were waiting on the infilling of the Holy Spirit. I would like to hand over to you, Pastor Glow, now to um, take us through some more PowerPoints. Over to you, Glow. All right, then. Okay, so I'll, go, I'll just go by your questions on uh, um, the verses that you gave us. So, the, number one, you said, what is the day of Pentecost? And do we see this day anywhere else in the Bible? So we see that in, in, this, in this chapter, the chapter 2, Acts 2, um, the day of Pentecost is, um, is um, when the Holy Spirit came on the apostles and the other um, followers of Christ while they were in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of, of Weeks. Again, we see that um, Pentecost represents um, 50 days. And we see that this um, was also, um, this was a Jewish feast held 50 days after the Passover. So it celebrated the first fruits of the wheat harvest. And we see this in, if we go back to the Old Testament, we see this in Numbers 28, verse 26. It says, I read, it says, also on the day of the first fruits, when you present a new grain offering to the Lord in your feast of wheat, you shall have a holy convocation. Convocation. You shall do no, um, no laborious work. So we see that um, Pentecost here, but then we see that observed in a different way from the Old Testament as well. So um, yes, it is mentioned somewhere else in the Bible. Mm. And um, so to move on to the second one, which is, uh, what is the Holy Spirit um, represented here in verse 2? As Isaiah and Kujo has also mentioned, and it, um, you asked the question, said, can we observe any other characteristics um, in him in this verse? So um, I, we see here that he's um, annoyance like the violent Russian wind. Mm-hmm. That is what we see here in the verse 2. So in the Old Testament, um, we see um, the Holy Spirit appeared as some form of wind as well. So again, this is not the only time that he's appeared as the violent Russian wind. So to Job, um, to Job, if we read in Job 38 verse 1, we see that he answered from a whirlwind. And we see to Ezekiel in Ezekiel 1 4 as a stormy wind. And to Elijah, he came as a low whisper in First Kings 19 verse 12. So, um, and um, when we go to Ezekiel 37, verse 9, he um, says that, And he said to me, Prophesy to um, the breath, prophesy, son of man, and stay to it. This is what the sovereign law says. Come breathe from the four winds and breathe into this land, that they may live. And we see the verse 10, he says, So I prophesy as he commanded me. And breathe, um, and breathe entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. So again, we see here as the wind that the Holy, Ghost, um, Holy Spirit came in us. So we see here that he has manifested, uh, manifested in the same wind over the, um, the Old Testament as well, mm-hmm. as you read here. And um, I'll move on to the last question. You said, um, what was the physical evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the believers gathered there? Um, and you said, are we to expect the same today? Mm-hmm. So we see here, it was, um, the answer here is the speaking with tongues. Mm-hmm. And yes, we are to expect the same. Because um, I was going through the scriptures and I read Acts Sorry, I'm, moving, I'm jumping the guns here. Acts 8, verse 17 to 19. It said, Then laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. We see the apostles laying hands on people, and they received the Holy Spirit. And then Simon saw that, we see, this is the Simon the sorcerer, saw that through laying, laying on the hands, um, sorry, laying on the apostles, apostles' hand, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money. So, um, saying, give me also this power, that on whomever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Spirit. So here, my question is, um, 
if speaking in tongues did not accompany the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then how then will Simon the sorcerer know that the Samaritans received the Holy Spirit? Something must have happened physically mm. from what he said to them. So um, I see that he saw something, something manifested, uh, manifested physically. He saw something. There had to be some outward evidence for Simon to know that the people had been filled with the Holy Spirit. And then again, the lesson here, we see obedience, obedience to the word of God. So we see Jesus told them, go wait for me in Jerusalem and they did. So obedience to the word of God brings in the promises of God to accomplishment. Amen. That is all I have today. Amen. Amen. Powerful summary. Thank you, Glow. Thank you. The Glow has summarized it very well. Um, all the comments that were made by Asia, I believe, uh, Kojo, and indeed the questions that were raised uh, on the platform as well. Um, does anybody have any additions before I hand over to Pastor? I have a question. I want to ask um, about an event that occurred in the book of John chapter 20. Let's read it. Remember Jesus, uh, after he had resurrected, he appeared to his disciples a number of times. But in this particular verse, well, this portion of scripture, the disciples were together and Jesus appeared in their midst. Yes. Uh, let's look at John chapter 20 and uh, go all the way down to the verse number 22. Over there, the scripture says, and when he had, he had said this, uh, so what did he say? Verse 21. He said, Jesus said unto them, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. I'm reading from the King James Version. Then in verse 22, the Bible said, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So other versions, other English translations would say, Receive the Holy Spirit. So what is the difference between this you know, interaction where Jesus breathes on them and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And what we read in the book of Acts chapter two, what we are discussing now, uh, which we are calling the baptism, you know, uh, in the Holy Spirit. What is the difference between these two? What do we think? Anybody can answer on the platform. You know, there are no right or wrong answers. Well, there are are wrong answers, yes. (laughs) I always say this, but yeah, Uh, you know, well, I think uh, there yes. is a commonality between the two events as far as the Holy Spirit is concerned. Um, but I think the the second one has to do with... Um, uh, one thing I know is that you know, the Holy Spirit, um, it comes in different forms and then um, in different ways. But I also want to establish that um, that same Holy Spirit that was mentioned in the, in John... Is the same Holy Spirit that came upon them, but probably um, the way by which the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit manifested itself, is what is different in the two um, um, books. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you have a very good point there, Kujo. A very good. Uh, I will just um, push that a little bit further, and then we can move the discussion forward. Yeah. So yeah, indeed. Okay. Uh, Go ahead, Pastor. Yes. Okay, so the, the account you read in um, John chapter 20 um, is referring to the, the receiving of the Holy Spirit for the disciples to be born again. Right. So it was at this point that they were born again, or they, they, be, they were, yes, born again. That's the term we use. And that's the Holy Spirit came to live within them. So remember, the Holy Spirit comes to live with you and it creates, it creates us anew, our spirit anew. All right. So that was what John 20 was talking about. But the act one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit to enable them to uh, fulfill the ministry that God has given them or Jesus has called them to. Mm. Right. Uh, thanks for that. And I think uh, that captures it really well. So we can see clearly in these two, you know, uh, Portion of, portions of scripture that, you know, they seem to be two different um, events, yes? One is right after he had resurrected, he comes to his disciples and then commissions them and he breathes the Holy Spirit on them. 
then the same Jesus said unto them, wait for the promise of the Father, which we read in Acts chapter 1. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it tells you that the initial briefing of the Holy Spirit on them uh, is is a different thing, and the the waiting for the promise of the Father is also a different. You know, he there are two distinct you know events. If it wasn't so, Jesus wouldn't say after he had breathed on them that they should wait again for the Holy Spirit. You get it. So clearly. Uh, the initial briefing on them was a was a unique uh, 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 you know event. To what end then was that, uh, which is what Pastor Yahweh explained. Uh, now these were ordinary people you know who were following Jesus, and uh, they believed in him. They they believed in him as the Messiah, uh, uh, but the the life of the Spirit, which generates the Spirit of of man and new and makes you a new creation, they hadn't yet received that experience. Mm. Until Jesus, the resurrected Lord, uh, appears to them and then breathes upon them the life, which, you know, in Greek, you know, says the zoe, you know, the God kind of life, if you like, yes. Uh, that uh, vitality, you know, of the Holy Spirit, he breathes that on them. And that makes them a new creation. Mm. Obviously, their physical uh, bodies will not change, but their spirit man, the spirit in them, the the, the spirit of a man, you know, the spirit, remember man is spirit, soul, and body. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. So their spirit is renewed in that instant, having received the Holy Spirit, uh, uh, and therefore becoming born again. You know, which we, we, the term that we use, obviously, uh, a term Jesus himself uses. Yes, he used that in, in John, in John chapter, chapter two, chapter three, chapter three, in his interaction with Nicodemus, John chapter three. Yes. And so, uh, you know, you become born again when you receive the Holy. So today, if someone receives Jesus as Lord, they receive the life of the Spirit, which we have seen in John chapter 20, verse 22, where Jesus breathes on you and says to you, receive the Holy Spirit. So when you become born again, when you come to Jesus, uh, you don't know the Lord, you want to know the Lord, uh, you confess your sins and you, you turn away from, you repent and you turn away from your, your, your past ways and you commit your life to Jesus. When you confess him as Lord and Savior over your life, instantly, and Isaiah mentioned that earlier on, uh, when you become a Christian, at that point, you receive the life of the Spirit, the pneuma in the Greek. You receive the life of the Spirit and you become born again. Now that you are born again, we must now desire the the Acts chapter 2 experience, which is what we are discussing today. You know, and the Acts chapter 2 experience is what we are talking about, where the Holy Spirit, where Jesus then says to those who have already been born again, those who have received the life of the Spirit, is those same people Jesus said to them, wait mm. for the next, the promise of the Father, which is the, 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 the supernatural infilling, where he came down after chapter 2 uh, with tongues of fire, all that we read you know, uh, in this session. Okay, so that is uh, a question that you know, you've all answered well. Thank you. Asia, you had your hand up. It was a question I wanted to ask, but I think Pastor has already addressed it. Okay. Okay, very good. Now, just following on from um, Pastor's um, question, so we see that the the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. It's worth noting that um, verse 2 takes its time to say that, and the violent Russian wind filled the whole house. So wherever the Spirit of the Lord comes, he feels. He feels completely. So if he comes upon us, he fills us. He fills us to the overflow. And that's the purpose of this interaction. What I want to ask is that, is this a one instance in the life of a Christian or does it happen over and over and over again? I can see Akusia's hand up. Akusia. My hand was up for another question that I had. So hold it together. Then okay. I, yeah. 
Let's answer a question um, with regards to like the feeling. I don't think it necessarily has to happen once in a lifetime. I think it can happen multiple times, as many times as God wants it to happen. Anybody can build on what Akosias just said. And then uh, use a scripture to support it. Yeah. In John, in the fourth chapter of John, we read about the woman at the well. What did Jesus tell her? You can find another scripture in, in, in relation to this, but there are several. There are several. Jesus' interaction with the Samaritan woman at the well said, The water that I shall give you um, shall. Yes, someone. I was going to refer to the scripture where he says um, that God is spirit and those who worship him worship in spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like an interaction. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know, I'm not explaining it very well, but... <laughs> You're doing well. You're doing well. You're doing well. Yeah. You know, well done. I've got Pastor Yao's hand up as well. Go for it. Over to you. I think someone, someone's hand went up before mine. I've only got you and um, Akosu's okay. hand up. Okay, okay. Um, well, I'm taking you to another scripture. Is that okay? Yes. Ephesians 5.18. Very good. Ephesians 5.18, if we can read, I'm going to read from the King James Version for the first time in history. And be not drunk <laughs> with wine, wherein is excess, mm. and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so if we do a bit of a um, study of the word filled there, uh, the Greek word, I will not attempt it. Um, it is a continuous filling, kind mm. of. So it's not a one-off. So it's a continuous feeling, as if it is a fountain that never ceases to 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 flow and into the into a container to be filled. So it is always feeling, feeling. So and so I've heard. Uh, I think it was Kenneth Hagan or someone else preach or talk about this, and would say the word here is actually, if you want to put it right, it will be be being filled. Mm-hmm. So it's a continuous thing. It's not a one-off thing. Amen. 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 Absolutely. I just want to uh, build on something Akosia um, said earlier on. Um, we are to be filled continually, as Pastor Yao said, but our thirst matters. So um, if we wait for the Lord to fill us as and when he wants to, then we'll never get there. In the book of Revelations, it says, come to the waters. In the book of Isaiah, say, come to the waters. Mm. If you're close by the waters, you'll be thirsty and you yearn for more. You yearn for more of his infilling. So the onus is also on us as followers of Christ to be thirsty for him mm. or to yearn for more of him. Mm. And if you go back to the beginning of Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it is the yearning or the, the expectation of the disciples that release the spirit of the living God upon them. Mm. So it is for us to constantly be in expectation. It's for us to be constantly hungry for more of him. Obviously, although it's us, he also helps us to be hungry, but we also play a part to draw close to those waters that make us thirsty in order to drink more, which is his spirit, the infilling of his spirit in our lives. Mm. And that's all I wanted to add to what Akusia um, and Pastor Yao has, has uh, perfectly laid down on foundation for us. Mm-hmm. I've got both of your hands still up. Did you want to say something again? I know Akus has um, been lingering, but Pastor Yao, did you want to say something? Oh, oh, mine is a residual. If- Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, before my question, I just like went up in... John chapter 4 and with verse 13 and 14 it says that Jesus said that everyone who drinks the water will get thirsty again and again and anyone who drinks the water that I give will never thirst not ever the water that I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life mm. so this is to um, back up what Pastor Michelle said about us having to drink of the water ourselves not like basically the parts that we have to play mm-hmm. and then also um, an answer as to whether it's a once in a lifetime thing or something that's this endless as the bible says mm. well done yeah so uh, because that that water 
that the Lord gives uh, is one that flows continually unto eternal life. It is it is it, it it is important therefore that we remain at the source, Christ being the source, and with us remaining by the source, we can receive that con- constant inflow mm-hmm. uh, and outflow, you know, inflow and outflow of of the Holy Spirit in us. It is for which reason that a Christian who is filled with the Holy Spirit must remain by the source, mm-hmm. must remain in Christ. So you can have the constant flow. You can be filled continually. Uh, uh, according to Ephesians 5, you can be filled continually. You know, it's a continuous tense. Yes, as uh, Kenneth Hagen said, as Pastor Yahweh explained earlier on. So that is a really important thing uh, for us in our work with the Lord. What a blessing. Amen. Please, I have a question. Okay, go for it, Asia. Okay, my question is that, is there a work that the baptism of the Holy Spirit does, that the Holy Spirit that comes in us at the new birth is not able to do. I don't know whether my question is clear. It is clear. Yes, very clear. What do we think? Is there a work that the Holy Spirit at new birth, so when a Christian comes to know the Lord, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. And we've seen this, and the example of which we saw in John chapter 20, where Jesus breathed upon them the Holy Spirit, you know. So the work of the Spirit in the Christian at that point, how unique or how different is that from the work of the Holy Spirit at what we are calling the baptism in the Holy Spirit that the disciples experienced in Acts chapter 2, you know, what is the, what's the difference? What was the difference of that work? And what do we think? I have Tara's hand up. Go for it, Tara. Um, I did make notes on tonight, and I saved them in my emails, and then somehow I deleted them all, which is frustrating. But one of the things that I was going to say is, I think perhaps one of the reasons is because once we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we we do communicate directly with God, but once we get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's it's communicating with Him. I I feel like more strongly, like or in a different way, because words can get in the way like and I didn't know this like and I do now but yeah um, it it's more I don't know how to put it like quicker or we could be praying and we might not even know exactly what we're praying about but what somebody said to me who's a Christian it's like it would come upon her that she needed to pray and she would just know she did and then it was only afterwards that she found out there was a reason behind it and I've heard that more than once but like it strengthens our communication with him. Mm. Mm. I can um, I can sort of uh, buffer that up with uh, Romans eight verse twenty six. It says that in the same way that the Spirit also helps our weakness, we do not know how we to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So just to um, add to what Tara is saying, yes, um, the fervency with which we pray even changes with the baptism of the Holy Spirit because he enables us to pray even better uh, with words that we don't physically have to express uh, with our tongue. He helps us with that. But just going back to Asia's question, um, Tara's answered part of it. Anybody else that has any additions to it? Now, this would um, require a long, a long answer, but I'll try and, um, because it's a very, it's a deep teaching, yes, to, to, to tell us the working of the Holy Spirit. Well, we're actually going to see all of it in the book of Acts anyway, yes. So we are studying the book of Acts, just like how we completed John. In the book of Acts, we will see the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, after Acts chapter 2, which is evident before, uh, that is after they have received that and asked that too. But then you can contrast that with how the disciples, you know, uh, you know, did their work, how they lived and how they made an impact proud to ask of that too. And then that would give us the clear, you know, answer. That is the question asked. So there are three things, experiences of the disciples uh, with regards to the Holy Spirit. One is before the crucifixion, number one. The second is after the resurrection. And the third 
is after the ascension of Christ. Mm. Now, before the crucifixion of Christ, everything you see there before he was crucified, it is still Old Testament experiences of the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit would come upon individuals who believed in God for a season, for a primary task. And after that is done, the Holy Spirit or the anointing of the Spirit is lifted off. So you will see this in the lives of the prophets of old, where the anointing will come upon them, they would prophesy, or the anointing will come upon them for miracles, you know, and so on. But the Spirit did not live in them continually because Christ hadn't yet ascended. So it's the Spirit coming and accomplishing the task, and that was it. Yes. We also see it in the life of the disciples. Yes, before the crucifixion. Remember Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 10. Christ sends the twelve, empowers them, that he released the anointing on them. They went and did miracles. Then the next chapter, he sent out the 120 again, empowered them. They went and did miracles, and they came back. And then they are like, whoa, you know, miracles happen in your name. You know, even demons, you know, flee in your name. They were excited about what, you know, they were able to accomplish by the empowerment that Christ gave them to go and do, uh, to go and preach the kingdom. So before the crucifixion, the Spirit would come for a particular task. And right after that task is accomplished, that was it. The Spirit will be lifted or the anointing will be lifted. So in the experiences of the disciples, before the crucifixion, we did see all this happen. And we didn't see them do it again and again and again because it was just for the moment. And then he was lifted. The anointing was lifted. Then, after the resurrection, their experiences was in John 20, the one we just read, where the Holy Spirit was breathed upon them. That is when they became renewed in their spirit, when they became born again, you know, the term that Pastor Yao used earlier on. And by so doing, they became what Paul calls a new creation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and the verse number 17. Where he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So by the breathing of the Holy Spirit upon them, post-resurrection, yes, that is after the resurrection of Christ, what the Christian experience is a new life. There's a way, a new life in God, a new person altogether, uh, able to live for Christ able to turn away from, from, from the world and to be able to live for Christ in a new life. That is the life of a Christian, which we all receive when we become born again. Then after the ascension, number three, after the ascension is a third experience. After the ascension, we now see a different kind of move of the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit upon, the Spirit comes upon the disciples and guess what? This time is as if they are warriors. It is as if they've received some injection of power. Mm. It is as if, you know, it is something has, you know, they become like mini Christ, mini Jesuses, you know, if I should use that term, where they are operating like Christ, where they are laying hands and people are getting healed, where the cripples are walking, where, you know, they are prophesying. Again, they are constantly living in the spirit. And Paul says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk mm. by the spirit. So it now becomes a new life of living by the spirit, where you are walking and living in the Holy Spirit and operating like Christ, communicating with God in a new way, as Tara mentioned, mm. uh, uh, declaring the, the works of God, being empowered to, to, to preach the gospel uh, without fear, you know, or favor, you know, as we see in the life of the apostles. Uh, performing signs and wonders, you know, as we see in the life of the apostles. And we are going to see all of these things uh, as we study the entire book of Acts. And that experience today uh, has not stopped, you know, and uh, we, will, we will see why, you know, uh, which perhaps will lead me to my next question, you know. Is there a good time to ask that question, I think? Okay, so, well, before I go to that question, uh, has that answered your question uh, uh, easier? Yes, please. Right, bless you. So, 
uh, now all of us on the platform, we must have had some experiences uh, where you became born again as a Christian. Uh, you were filled with joy. You were filled with new life in you. Yes. Okay. Then you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in tongues. You, you know, you can you can see that it's almost like you received a dose of power. Mm. <laughs> you know, and you, all of a sudden you are evangelistic in your drive for the Lord. You are you are preaching, you know, to 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 to, to, to people. You are drawing others to the kingdom. You know, you are fired up. You know, you are laying hands and praying for people, and they are getting healed. The healing grace of God is released through you, and so on and so forth. That is the living water gushing out of you, you know, and that comes by the baptism. That is a post ascension, the post ascension release of the Holy Spirit. Okay, now my question. Before you go, there's there's one thing I want to add, and and anybody can attest to this that the inf the the infilling of the Holy Spirit empowers us to live like Him. Unlike before when he breathed and you became a new creation, living for him is almost like a struggle. And I was a, a Catholic being born again before I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this, the distinction was really, really clear. You struggle to do things in your own might, but with the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he empowers you to live more like Christ. And it's in scripture in Romans 8, it says he quickens our mortal bodies um, to obviously live more like Christ. He deadens our flesh so that we can live more like Christ. And so the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, other than the works of what we do for Christ, it makes us to live more like him and to live for him. And that particular feature of him, I, I saw a distinction as I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was very evident in everything that I did. And I thought it's, it's worth highlighting. Mm. And if anybody else has experienced the same, but that was definitely an, an, an impactful event in, in my life that mm. I've seen throughout ever since I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Mm. Amen. Amen. I think it's important that we, we and I like what you did by mm. your own personal experience. Uh, the reason being that Christians differ, or I should say they they have different doctrinal positions mm-hmm. when it comes to the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I mean, all the way from, you know, um, the church fathers, yes, the likes of Martin Luther, uh, Zwingli, uh, the Reformation fathers, uh, going down to you know, Calvin, you know, and um, uh, Spurgeon, and... Um, even Billy Graham, you know, uh, and, and several, in fact, we Christians differ on so many issues, including even the Sabbath and even the Ten Commandments. The Protestants' Ten Commandments is different from the Catholic Ten Commandments and from the Jewish Ten Commandments. You know, it's really interesting. We have different, you know, doctrinal uh, uh, positions. But when it comes to the working of the Holy Spirit, uh, one of the things that we all agree on, at least, is that a Christian has the Holy Spirit in them. Yeah. We all agree on that, yes, uh, which is beautiful, you know, that we uh, all Christians agree on this. Where the differences come is the baptism, what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, uh, where some believe that it has ceased. Mm. It ended with the last apostle, you know, uh, when the book of Acts was done, the last apostle died, you know, much later on. Then, you know, baptism in the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, also ceased. What is called cessation, you know, uh, um, theology. Uh, it's like the working, so miracles have stopped, you know, uh, you know, healing has stopped. All the things that God, we see in the Bible, they've all stopped, you know. Some Christians believe this. Now, do you think that is true? Well, those who believe it, it will be so unto them. Yes. Uh, because if you believe that miracles have stopped, then, you know, that is why I like what you did by your own experience. Mm. So it's really important. And for, for, for us, it's important that we, we, so knowing Jesus must be personalized mm. so that you can reap the full benefits of your Christian faith. Yes. And not some doctrinal theory, you know, that, uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit has ended. If you believe it's ended, you are never going to receive it. You know, because for you it's ended. Yes. Yes, Tara, you raise your hand up. 
Um, I was just going to say that it hasn't ended and also that it really helped what you said, Pastor Michelle, and I can relate to that as well. When I look back to before, um, I experienced the Holy Spirit. I felt it helped me at times, but it's very, very different now. And the thing is, when I, because I was brought up Catholic, it's like in my the churches I went to, it's like you, it's very quiet, you know, and it's not, it's very, I don't know what word to use, suppressed somehow. Like it's, um, I don't know. And then I didn't get confirmed as a Catholic anyway, but even so, when I look back, it's very different to how it is now. So, yeah, that's what I want to say. Thank you. Bless you. Now, Catholics who are listening to this recording, uh, you know, what I want to say is the experiences of 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 the likes of uh, uh, Sister Tara, who is speaking, who is from the Catholic region, and Michelle from the Catholic region. It is not to condemn, you know, Catholicism. No, not but at all. To share their own personal experiences. Yes. So if you're listening to this uh, recording and you are Catholic, you know, my invitation to you is to begin to dive into the scripture for yourself and not to allow the doctrinal, uh, you know, ideas that you've been taught in Catholicism to be your guiding principle. Let God's word be your guiding principle. Mm -hmm. That was what happened to Martin Luther. He allowed God's word to be his guiding principle and he, he unearthed very important and precious gifts for us today. And that is what I would say to anyone listening to this who is a Catholic. Uh, God bless you as you continue to listen. Now, to answer that question quickly, uh, and then we can wrap it up because the hour is almost over. Has the baptism in the Holy Spirit ended? Well, the answer is no. Why so? Scripture says, behold, I am the Lord. I change not. Mm -hmm. Yes. If that is true, then God hasn't changed. If that is true again, that the Bible says in Hebrews 13 verse 8, that Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you believe that is also true, then he's working in the past. He's also able to do it today, and he can do it tomorrow. So that scripture alone must tell you that the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is something God did in the past, mm -hmm. he can do it again today. Because the Bible says he remains forever the same, and his works have not changed. Okay, so on that basis alone, all those theories that claim that it has stopped and therefore, which, you know, whatever, you must debunk those theories. So very quickly, I'll run you through a few things. In AD 33, 120 disciples that are gathered in the upper room, they received the baptism in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in tongues, which is in Acts chapter 2. Yes, this uh, roughly happened in AD 33. Then in AD 34, a year later, Philip the evangelist who goes to Samaria in Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 8 or Kedna by AD 34. Guess what? Philip also uh, uh, comes and he, he, he received the baptism. He released the Holy Spirit baptism upon disciples. Then a year later, AD 35, remember Ananias, who then met Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul the apostle. Ananias prayed for Paul and Paul's, Paul received his sight. Well, fellow saw a miracle. Yes, the miracles haven't stopped either. <laughs> and he was also filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. So that happened in AD 35. Then AD 41, six years later, Peter went to the house of Cornelius. Remember in Acts chapter 10 and chapter 11. And when Peter preached, the Bible said the Holy Spirit came upon those who were listening to him and they spoke in tongues. So guess what? From AD 33, Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came down, Almost 10 years afterwards, the Holy Spirit is still baptizing people. Mm -hmm. He's still coming down on people. Then AD 58, yes, years later, Paul ministers to the Ephesian believers in Acts chapter 19, and they also received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues all through the years. I could go on and on and on. But more recently, 1906 to 1915, what we know as the Azusa Street Revival, which happened in Azusa Street, California, in America, the Holy Spirit came on people and they began to speak in tongues. Yes, and mighty miracles were done by these individuals. Uh, the likes of William J. Samuel, the likes of Charles Parham, who later received the Holy Spirit himself, you know, and, uh, and so on. They received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. There is 19, it's like in our days, yes, 1906, yes, in our, in our generation. Uh, if you like. 1990, I, I, Pastor Levy, I spoke in tongues in 1990. Yes. So again, guess what? 
I didn't learn it. No one taught me. The Holy Spirit came upon me and I began to speak in tongues. <laughs> you got it. Uh, and so on and so forth. So, and we all on this platform, but those who can speak in tongues, at some, you can give a date to it. So the Holy Spirit and his baptism hasn't, hasn't ceased. What a blessing. What a blessing. What a blessing. Amen. Amen. What we'll try and do as we go on is to uh, highlight the advantages of being filled with the spirit of the living God. And I think once we, we get to grips with that, it becomes something that we would all constantly yearn for. Because if you know what he can do for you, being filled with him continually, uh, back to Pastor Yao's comment, we would constantly want more of him. Amen. Amen. We're going to stop there. We didn't cover all the verses that we were meant to cover. So next we could continue uh, from verse 6, and that was allocated to Akosia and Pastor Yao. I would like to um, add... Tara, are you able to read those verses for us as well next week, the 6 to 13? And then I would like to give 14 and 15 to myself, and then 16 to 21, can I locate that to um, Kojo, Asia, and Pastor Glow again? Uh, that's a combo. 14 to 15. So I'll go back again. Uh, Acts chapter 2, 6 to 13 is Akosia, Tara, and Pastor Yao. 14 to 15 is myself. 16 to 21 is um, Kojo, Asia, and Pastor uh, Gloria. And for you guys, are you able to just look at the prophecy that was of the old made alive uh, in the book of Acts, that's 16 to 21. It's a prophecy of the old that was in the book of Joel that's become a reality in the book of Acts. And if you kindly dive into the detail of that, and as always, I'll put the questions in before we start on the Wednesday. Over to you. Oh, what a blessing. Amen. Amen. What a blessing. God bless you all for joining us in this Bible study time. Uh, I believe that you were blessed. Uh, join us again next time um, for another time in his word. If you are listening to us for the first time on this recording, then I want you to know that if you are not a Christian, there is an opportunity for you to have Jesus into your life as your, as your Savior and Lord. To do so, you can just pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I recognize I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I believe you died on the cross for me through Jesus Christ, your Son. I repent from my ways. I repent from my sin. And I receive Christ into my life as my Savior and my Lord. From today, I declare Jesus as Lord and Savior. I turn from all my past ways. I commit my life to you. Make me yours. When you rose again on the, from the dead on the third day, and because I trust in you, I also rise into newness of life. And therefore, from today, I declare I'm a Christian. I belong to God. I belong to Jesus. No longer belonging to the world. Thank you, Father in heaven, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We are here to support you. Let us know. Get in touch with us and we will support you in your Christian journey. God bless you and we'll see you again in the next episode. Goodbye.